this. Man, that's an awesome message by Barry. I had some people say that, man, they wanted to leave school right now and get on the missions field. <laughs> so that's a wrong interpretation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So where's Mary Decker? She was just here a second ago. Where's Mary? Come up here, Mary. This is our only athlete representing Karis Bible College. She's now been to a number of different competitions, and she just got back. Is this from the national finals? National Collegiate. She represents CBC in judo and got a silver medal nationwide. Isn't that awesome? And she went to uh, Columbia. Was it Columbia last? Chile. Chile. And won. Uh, what did you do there? Um, I got a bronze in the South American Championships. Isn't that awesome? Hey, man, it just seems wrong somebody this pretty could be that mean, that tough. And Mary has been, if you've seen her, she's on one of our um, healing journeys. She was healed of asthma. Her and her mom were healed of asthma. Now she's an athlete and winning all of these competitions. Isn't that awesome? We're proud of you. You're a blessing. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. That's just awesome, isn't it? Okay, this is Stephen Bransford that's going to be ministering during this session, and he is the head of our television department. Stephen came to work for us, and he was the only person in television before he'd worked for other people with 15, 20 people on staff, and he started us out with one camera and learnt, just totally had to reinvent everything, and boy, what a blessing this man has been. You know, I could not be reaching the people I'm reaching through television if it wasn't for Stephen and all of the people that he's assembled. And you need to understand this, that ministry isn't just about the person behind the pulpit. If it wasn't for Stephen and his crew, we would be dead in the water. We would not be able to accomplish what God has done. So Stephen is a full-time minister. He's in full-time ministry. He's reaching millions and millions and millions of people. And then uh, he has also started our third-year track of media school and Jeff and Autumn Nakala, is that right? Close. I don't know why I have problems with that, but they are with him and they, they're the ones that actually run the school and it's, it, he'll be a real blessing to you to, as he shares today about the media school. Stephen Bransford. Well, I'm excited today because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to some of the people who teach in the third year media school and tell you a story about them because I'm a storytelling sort of guy. Everybody who knows me knows that. It's kind of like a broken record. I have one message. You have a story. It's the story of Christ in you. It's really the story of who you are in Christ. And that makes it his story. So it's a story worth telling. Now you tell it in one way or another, and some of you think about it and some of you don't. I try to get you to think about it. Because stories are important. When I first met Andrew, uh, I had to get to know who he was before I, I could know how to put him on television properly. And so I went to his website. There was a, a website in those days. I think I was one of six people who went there. And... <laughs> And I, and I looked there, and guess what I learned on page one? See, I've got to get this right. March 23rd, 1968. <laughs> I learned what all of you have learned, and almost everybody here can recite the date. Do you know how cool that is? That made Andrew somebody special. That made him someone unique. That story gets told again and again, and what we learn is out of that story, all of his ministry has come. Therefore, I was on the right track from day one uh, on trying to see how we could put him on television and do that in the proper way. Now, uh, years later, I began to break out some of my other storytelling abilities here on behalf of the ministry. Because Andrew told a lot of stories. I listened to his sermons uh, before um, we, we got started, and I listened and heard a lot of stories very appropriately told to illustrate what he was teaching. And I knew that someday 
there would be a place to tell the stories of the lives that were changed uh, by what he was teaching. And that this would become an important part of the ministry. Now, in television, we not only do daily television today, we do have a staff of 20 in, in the television department, and it takes all of them to tell the story of the ministry. And uh, we have now a line of DVD products. You may or may not know about these. This one I'm holding up right here is very special. It's called Financial Breakthroughs. It's not out yet. Uh, all the stories are finished. However, uh, the DVD is not mastered yet, and it's not made available. But Andrew will be teaching this series on financial stewardship very soon. This will be part of the product package that is presented. Now, you know what's so cool about this? There are six stories here, six true stories that could change your financial future. Four of these stories are Karis Bible College student stories. How about that? A lot of people's lives get changed right here in dramatic ways. Uh, we, we have a DVD that uh, profiled four of our students uh, several years ago who went out to start ministries called Destiny Stories. Many of you may have seen that. There are four stories on that volume. Then we have Healing Journeys. The first Healing Journeys, Volume 1, five true stories that inspire hope and build faith. Now, some of these stories include Nikki Oshinsky's story, uh, Jason's healing, Shirley Fulbright's uh, healing, uh, Leslie and Mary's asthma that you just saw Mary on stage. Her story is on volume one. You should see that if you haven't seen it. She was a little bit younger then. Um, Hannah's story is on here. This is great. Uh, Hannah's story was a great breakthrough story uh, in the Healing's Journeys uh, series. We have a volume two. There are five more stories on here. Volume three which came out last year. Uh, five stories. Again, a lot of Karis Bible College student stories are on this volume. Mike Hesh is here as a student now. He was healed of that horrible tumor. You see that tumor go away on video. Um, Alan uh, is here working now, uh, who had, uh, who, who had a, a story of healing from a stroke. And uh, Audrey Scott's parents have been here and visited with us. But the cool one here is, is Lance Welgen. This is a great story. If you haven't seen Lance, who had fibromyalgia, was totally incapacitated, became a, uh, uh, came here, and students actually went out and found him at a coffee shop, brought him in here, and he was healed. What a great story. We, we have video of this guy leaping up and, and, and jumping and shouting and, and recreating the moment of his healing. He's now in India, taking the school there to another level. Karis Bible College. We've got an email right here, and this is from Lance and Jerry, say that CBC India is watching us live streaming. CBC India is watching us live. Oh, that's great. I want to say hi to Lance and Jerry. God bless you. Good to see you this morning. <laughs> Uh, wow, their story is so awesome. So now, um, in this, in this uh, business of storytelling, we have been training storytellers in third-year media. We've, we're in the middle of our first year uh, with the third-year school. And um, recently, they did a number of videos. And they started to learn how to tell stories uh, the way that, that, that they can be done in this way. And so they, they put some editing together. And I critiqued that. I came into the class, and I looked at everyone's project, and I responded, uh, as I do with all of these stories, as they're being produced. I come in uh, several times in the process. And uh, as I critiqued these, these settings, uh, uh, one in particular didn't come out so good. And later, that student came to me, and he thanked me. He said, you know, I'm glad you were honest with me. Thank you for honestly pointing out, you know, what, what I had done. He said, I'm beginning to believe I'm not, I'm not the one to tell the story. I'm the one to help the storyteller tell the story. He said, I'm much more interested in the technical side of things. He said, is there a place for me in, in media ministry? And I said, absolutely, and third-year media is for you. So now I want to introduce you to an instructor who I introduced him to. I said, you need to get to know David Larson. Now, David is a great story. He's a CBC story. He came uh, to Colorado Springs uh, and, and went to Karis Bible College in 2001. 
He graduated in 2003. David went on uh, and left here. He wanted to come to work in television. There were no jobs for him at that time. Uh, we hadn't expanded to the point where I could do that. Excuse me. So uh, David, uh, I believe he went back to Arizona and spent a couple of years. But let me tell you what he did during those couple of years. This is a kid who reads manuals at his bedside at night. <laughs> Technical manuals. Anybody else here like that? Not a lot of you. But you're very important, very special people. He would read technical manuals, and uh, one that he became very interested in, because we were in television, which is, after all, moving pictures, was uh, about motion graphics, not graphics that are still on the page, but graphics you create that move. And this is a very difficult and technical area, and he began studying that. And uh, he spent a good deal of his spare time reading these manuals. Well, he came back here in 2006, and he met with me, and he told me what he'd been doing. He applied uh, for the department, for work in the department. Again, we weren't ready to, to be hiring at that time, but he told me about his interest in motion graphics and what he had been doing. Um, uh, five months later, we had an opening for him. He came in as an editor. He began working uh, on the program in the various roles that we had for him. And eventually, uh, he became very good, and I began to realize we do need motion graphics. And so we invested in something called Cinema 4D software. There was only one person in the department who read technical manuals who would really understand this or who he thought could understand it, and it was David. So David began to study, and he began to show us what he was learning. And I'm going, i got to find a way to use this on Andrew's program. And so I got ambitious, and I thought that what he could do is create a virtual open for the program. You know how Andrew and Jamie walk through the aspen trees every day and you know how, how you see the outdoor and uh, Colorado scenes. I thought maybe we could go one better. We'll create something that's super Colorado. We'll create a virtual aspen grove with virtual leaves falling from the aspen trees. And Andrew and Jamie will walk through that virtual forest, and it'll be magic, and everybody will love it. We did that. And I even came up with this idea that we would take this uh, dandelion seed head and blow the wind across it, because this is cool. This is all virtual. This wasn't real. And these little seeds would fly through the aspen grove and settle across the meadow, and this would be a symbol of the spreading of the gospel throughout the world. I thought that was cool. These things came out. We put them on the air, and our audience didn't respond very well to it. Do you know why? Because Andrew is real. He's not virtual. His message is real. It's not virtual. Amen. He walks through a real forest, and you feel the difference when he walks through one that we created. I went to David, and I said, this is after uh, an investment of five or six years of his life in this area. I said, David, you're going to have to stop doing motion graphics. These are not relevant to who we are. And uh, it was a very tough time for David. Very tough. And in fact, I thought I might lose him. And uh, then we found another challenge for him in the technical area. Again, he became what we call our Mac Systems Director. He networked all of our Mac machines together so that they could become something. Everybody, anybody ever hear of something called a render farm? No. Well, let me tell you about a render farm. <laughs> couple of students. That's where you network uh, computers together to render the effect you have created. Do you realize how many ones and zeros go into making a virtual reality that moves? You can't even imagine the size of the files involved here. Not one computer can handle it. A network of computers crunch the numbers to make something move in three-dimensional space. This is an art form. I can't do it Nobody else in our department can do it. David Larson can do it because he's invested himself. He's a parable of what you were just teaching us, Barry, in the last hour. He invested himself. He separated himself. He made himself available, and then I took it all away from him. <laughs> hey, that was a hard day for me, too. Believe me. Well, 
it turned out about a year later, Andrew had a vision. He had a vision for a new campus in Woodland Park. And he talked with a number of architects who did stuff like this. All right, I'm going to get you all excited here. These architects, they, they're very high-priced people. And they came up with something like this. You may recognize that. You may not. That's the basic floor plan of the sanctuary and the new college campus in Woodland Park. Well, you got to know that the architects not only did that page, they did pages for all the electrical layout and all of the lighting fixtures. They did pages for all the duct work. They did pages. There's a whole book of these things this big, and the original drawings are way bigger than this one. All right, but if I were to put that in front of you, how excited would you be? Well, the architect promised us that they could, um, they could actually turn it into a 3D model that would move and we could appreciate the building uh, before it was built. And so they did some drawings of that nature and they showed them to us and I brought them to David and the guys in my department and they looked at it and they said, we can do a lot better than that. I said, oh, yeah, are you, are you sure? Are you ready? Suddenly, everything that he had been training for all those years came back. And let me tell you how relevant it was. We were going to be outsourcing that process through the, um, through the architect. And it was going to cost us $20,000 per finished minute. And when we saw what we would get for $20,000 per, per fin- finished minute, we realized very quickly we could save the ministry a lot of money while we improved the quality of what we were seeing. There was also another secret ingredient in what we presented to Andrew, and that was, Andrew, anytime you want to make a change, once David has ingested this mega file, bigger than anyone's ever seen, when we ingest that thing, and here's what I found out, what it meant, the man who invented Rebit uh, software which is used by the architects, said he had never seen a file in 30 years this big. They didn't know how to handle it. They had to go out and look for experts who could handle it. Well, David crunched that thing into our system. And uh, we had one other um, great advantage in doing that. Whenever Andrew wanted to make a change, he said, look, I'd like to see the virtual tour go this way. I'd like to see it go that way. We could do that. Anybody ever hear of a change order? A change order is once you've committed to a course of action and you've agreed on a price with a subcontractor, don't make any changes. (laughs) I know better than that. And uh, my guys advised me that Andrew would be able to come in and in very short order make changes on the virtual tour to have it the way he wanted to present it to you and to the world through television and through the website. Anybody here not seen the virtual tour? There's maybe three or four of you. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good indication that you've been, uh, you've been helped by this vision. So instead of it being on a piece of paper now, the virtual tour is in three dimensions on the website, and you move through it. It's, it's motion graphics, and it's done with Cinema 4D. Now, I'm going to roll a segment. On Monday, David will go to third-year media, and he will present what you're about to see. No one else has ever seen it. Uh, We've got a DVD prepared. Uh, I'm going to narrate a little bit of it. We're going to start it off here in just a minute. Uh, But as they're getting that ready, he will go into our third-year media class on Monday, and he will begin explaining the processes involved in creating this virtual tour from these architectural drawings how they're ingested, how the different layers have to be put together, and so forth. Now, this is kind of a show-off reel, so let's roll it. It rolled on the brake, I promise. (laughs) Give me the high sign when you're ready. I'll keep talking. Okay, uh, while, they're, while they're working on that, let me just say that uh, every fabric, every wall texture, here we go.
There are the plans being rendered in three dimensions. He's beginning to raise up and bring down from the ceiling different elements, textures on the floor, carpets, stone, in the field out there. You need some blades of grass, David. What can you do? How about that tree? Give us a leaf or two. Ah, I see it. Magic. Now there's the furniture, the roofing. All right, he put on the tiles. Remember, a render farm is going uh, with eight computers put together to be able to turn this final texture into what you're seeing here. There are many layers underneath that picture. One of them you see on the right is called ambient occlusion. There's a good new word for you. Yes, there will be a test later, and you will have to spell it correctly. Um, he added depth of field, three dimensions. He, had, he did what's called a shadow pass. You're going to see some sunlight coming through windows. All of these things were created in virtual reality. The dome of the 360-degree view from the building has been added into our file. So do you see Pikes Peak where it belongs? You see the trees in the distance. The trees in the foreground are David made. So this is just some of the highlights. There's the seating inside the barn. Something new that we will see this week. The wall textures. He added the posters that you see on the walls here, went on the walls there, on the hallways. The shrubs are his, the grass blades are his, right down to the grass blade. He determined how many grass blades there were in a cubic square inch, and those were added. This is inside the auditorium, and you will see the logo for Karis Bible College playing on every screen. The texture of the carpet is real, just like the, they plan to put in there. The wood grain is added, the color. The light fixtures, they actually shed light in the, in the seating arrangements that you see there. The lights on the wall reflecting actual lights that will be there. All of these things were added by David from these drawings that are here. All right. Just before I introduce David, I want to tell you another reason why I'm so proud of him. He saved this ministry $200,000 to $300,000 in cost. That money is now in the bank waiting to be used at Woodland Park. David, stand up. How awesome is that? All right, now I've got another DVD, and I hope it rolls on time this time. How are we doing back there? All right, I got a thumbs up. I think this one's going to go. I want to share with you now uh, a story about the directors of our school, and I think you'll really enjoy this. This is a CBC story. This is one of you. Uh, but I love this story in particular because it begins with television. Roll it. Six years ago, I was in Upper Michigan in a little town called Toivola. My mom told me about a preacher on television, um, Andrew Walmack. I've been a Christian all my life, but the, the churches I was in, we never heard of the grace of God or the forgiveness of the Lord was not emphasized, neither the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then my parents started to listen to Andrew Walmack on the television. I watched some of his shows and then I ordered a bunch of teachings. And the next thing I knew, I signed up to come to his Bible college. One day, my parents called me and said, would you like to come with us to a gospel truth seminar in Alabama uh, with Andrew Womack? I, I just knew in my heart that the Holy Spirit was saying, yes, you need to go. You're going to get what you're looking for. And so after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, I knew going to Karis Bible College was the next step. Coming into the school was an awesome experience. We had a class exercise to go ahead and pray in the Spirit and just 
listen to the Lord and write down what the Lord is speaking to you. And it was in that class where um, the Lord just really gave me a film strip of a whole bunch of neat things that would happen in my life. And at the very end, the really strong word, just autumn is the one, be yourself. So I remember there was a, a new guy that comes to our school and he was very, very, very excited about being at CBC. You know, I wasn't even interested in the time. I was just here for God. And uh, it was a real um, challenging word for me at the time because I really thought, boy, she's, she's out of my league. I was just a sponge absorbing all the teaching, and I was getting radically changed. Autumn and I ended up hanging out a lot. A lot of our friends were the same, so we'd all get together and go on hikes and do different things, skiing which made it worse. In that circle of friends also was a a real good friend, um, David Forgeston. I was standing next to David, and the Lord, real strong inside, said, you'll be helping this man, and and you'll just be a part of what he's doing. One day, the television department manager got up before the student body and said, we need to take some volunteers. And the Holy Spirit just put like a big red arrow right over that guy and says, Go to that man after school and you need to volunteer. After a few weeks of volunteering, I, they let me loose with a camera by myself, which was a big deal. And I got to film the praise and worship event. And I, as I was coming in, I rounded the corner with the camera. And I knew in my heart, all of a sudden, the Lord just said to me that I was going to be fundraising for missionaries and ministries all over the world through video and newsletters and all different types of media. So... And once I heard that word, you know, I had a purpose. I had a, a place in and and I knew what my destiny was. So I went through two years of school and graduated in 2007 without any hint at all that, um, that Autumn, you know, may like me. And I stayed here in Calder Springs and I worked for the television ministry here for Andrew full time. And I loved it. I mean, I, I got every bit of experience that I could get from here. So then I went off uh, after school to work at a dude ranch. It's called Latigo Ranch. It's a great place. I was a real cowboy. I started trying to, you know, find ways to stay in touch with Autumn. And I thought, well, one way is obvious Facebook. The next day, you know, and then months, she she didn't respond. So the only thing that really kept me strong holding to the word that he gave me is that you know I didn't have to do anything really I just had to be myself you know just when things were so perfect in my mind when I thought you know I had a great full-time job and I was reaching the world through Andrew's ministry the Lord impressed upon me just start praying in tongues so after a couple of days of this I was like Lord you know you I don't I don't know why you're wanting me to pray in tongues this much you know what what am I praying out what am I praying to you about and he just said oh don't worry about it you're just praying out your future I'll let you know later (laughs) so the more I prayed in tongues the more just dissatisfied that I I got here in Colorado Springs and with my job then I heard Andrew's teaching about holy dissatisfaction and I thought oh maybe this is what I mean maybe there's a change coming up but God will give you a supernatural direction and on the flip side of this did you know the reason that some of you are not fulfilled is because there is a holy dissatisfaction on the inside of you. I remember I was talking to David and Judith Forgeston one day. He just said that the Lord was telling me that God had somebody that was going to love me unconditionally. And at that moment, I knew Jeff. Jeff was it. I finally, I said, okay, Lord, you know, I'm so frustrated. I'm tired of trying to to work things out on my own. Will you just please tell me what it is? And within one week of me giving my total surrender of my heart, finally, to the Lord, he told me I was going to marry Jeff and I was going to go to India. <laughs> Autumn all of a sudden decided she wanted to go and help the Forgestons in India also. David and Russ, his dad, they left right after the day after they graduated to go to India to be missionaries. And then soon after that, Judith and David got married, and she joined them in India. And at this point, that's when I started to help them with their newsletters. We started talking more, and 
finally ended up hanging out. Our relationship progressed um, pretty quickly. She came up to visit me at the ranch a lot. I knew I had heard from the Lord, but I was still, you still got to get to know somebody and have a relationship built before you could get married. But the Lord had been preparing me and speaking to me, and I got to the place where I was ready to get married, and I wanted to marry him, and I didn't want to be apart from him anymore. We'd gone home to Upper Michigan for Thanksgiving. Autumn had come to, and she met the family, and it was all good. She left early, and I was still there, so I thought, well, I'm just going to buy the ring now. So after Thanksgiving, I flew back here to Colorado, and very nervous because that day I was thinking, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say, let's go to the Hungry Bear restaurant. I was so hungry and starving. <laughs> and so I said to him, I was like, hey, do you want to go eat at the Hungry Bear? I was like, yeah. And then we finally get to the restaurant. And, and I go underneath the little arch and turn around and, Autumn, will you marry me? I was like, yes. But then I was like, is that what I'm supposed to say right now? I, I can't even know what's going on. <laughs> And she looked at me, and I saw this little bit of a smile. And then I just said, well, yes, of course. So now I can tell you this story that, you know, the Lord has, has that told me the first year of Bible college. And it was just amazing to see how he had the even bigger walk of faith. It really, really blessed her, and, and it really blessed me to see that, gosh, God, I heard God's voice. So after we got engaged, we set the wedding date for about three months later, and we got married in the mountains of Colorado in a lodge. It was just the perfect wedding. Right after that, <laughs> on our honeymoon, uh, we decided that we needed to go to India, like right away. And so we bought tickets while we were on our honeymoon. And I helped the Forgustons out and see if this is really where God has called us. We stayed with the Forgustons there in India, and they were getting all the stuff for the Bible college ready. and. And we went there, and I really expected this, this like dream world or something. It was like, I'm going on the mission field. Everything's supposed to be perfect then. I'm, I'm never going to get sick. I'm always going to have plenty of money, and I'll never worry about money at least. And so, and we found out that it's not that way. You know, everyone's different, and, and it's very dirty and trash everywhere. It was, it was a whole new experience for us. So after we got back from our first trip in India, um, we went and worked at the ranch that I was working at. But during that time, the India just got stronger inside of us, the, the draw there to go back. We were trusting God for the finances to go, and we'd saved up some, but we still needed some more. And, and uh, halfway through the summer at the, at the ranch, we had received a, a great donation that gave us enough to get tickets and live for a while in India, so we thought, boy, this is it, we need to go. Once we were over there, Jeff had some roles at the Bible College to do. I really didn't have as much to do. The Fergusons had bought a, a video camera that I could use, and, and Jeff too, if he was interested. And she was training me on the camera and how to do certain things and what not to do. And, and he just took off with it, and he loved it. And we bought a Mac, you know, an iMac, and and got some great software, and we, we started building them this promotional video. I think about the story, and I think about the different shots and angles that we could do, but Jeff is more thinking about the technical side, making sure that the, the video looks good, that the, we've got audio. And the, the teamwork was just phenomenal. So we made a video for the Fordisons, a, a promotional fundraiser, just to show all their partners everything that they had been doing. So the video turned out to be a real hit. It came back to the States and went to all the Fordisons partners and Andrew and even this, the television producer here at AWM um, watched it and really was excited about it. They had so many partners call them and write them and say, wow, we never understood what you're really doing until this video. We get all your newsletters, but now that we see, see it visually, we know what you're doing. So at Christmas time, while we were in India, we found out that we were, I was pregnant with our first son, Isaac. So our time in India was coming to an end. Our visa was up and we had bought one-way tickets, so it was a little bit of a challenge. You know, we didn't we didn't have a real strong partner base in our ministries. We just kind of relied on um, gifts here and there. He showed us what to do. He gave us wisdom. We sold the iMac, and there was a gift came in, and it, it was literally just enough to get back. 
we came back to Colorado Springs and we applied for job after job. It was a bit of a challenge. Autumn was pregnant and I didn't have a job and there wasn't anything really lined up. And um, we were coming to the end of our finances. We came to CBC to hear a guest speaker. And, and this guy behind me kind of said, hi, and how are you guys doing? And hey, do you need work? And I was like, yes, he does. <laughs> Since then, now I'm helping him develop a, a cabinet company. We were so thankful for that job because it sustained us while to be here in Calder Springs for a while. And we could go to our home church again and get fed by the, in the word. And, and we had our son, Isaac, in August of 2010. So God brings this totally amazing little gift into our life. You know, we got, I got to see our first child, son, Isaac, born. I didn't have to work, and I could stay home and get used to being a mom. And Boy, he's, he's a blessing. He spoils us. We're, he's so good, and he sleeps all night, and we enjoy him so much. One day as I, as I was visiting the television department and catching up with everybody, the manager of the television show came up to me and just was telling me about how excited everybody at CBC was, all the second year students, about his media class. And finally, after so many years, he was saying a dream was coming true for him about opening up a whole third year course just so the students can learn media. I had all these desires for helping ministries through media and Someday a school would be really cool to see. It's just devoted just to that. So this winter, Stephen Bradford gives us a call and has us come into the office. He asked Autumn and I about, This media school is happening. Would you be able to be directors of it? It was a total new thing, and we'd have to develop the flow, and, and he would kind of be the leader over the whole thing. And, and once everything was finalized and cleared, we have been working tirelessly on <laughs> getting the school ready for the next year and we have so many students already that are so excited. So I was just amazed at how God opened up this door, you know, just through this little video we did all the way over in India that we had no idea it was just going to turn into such a, uh, a big thing. We've been developing all the courses and getting the, the, all the instructors in. We have awesome, awesome TV uh, department and people that have have done amazing things uh, for huge corporations and Hollywood and different things and these people are going to be our teachers. The media school is going to be a series of workshops where the students are going to be able to help ministries fundraise and raise support for them while they're here at school before they even go out. And we're going to be the coaches during class time and bring people through projects and building videos for ministries, websites and newsletters. Looking back at what God spoke to me right at the beginning of the first year of Bible college and just a couple things out of that film strip I've seen come to pass already. There's still a lot more to come. You know, just when you think it couldn't get any better, God opens up a new door and does amazing things in your life. And now I'm able to take everything I've learned and share it with students at the Karis Bible College. and. It's just amazing to see how I'm able to reproduce the things that they've poured into me. I'm able to pour into them, and they're able to, to expand and grow ministries all over the world. Stand up, Jeff and Autumn. You guys are awesome. Divine appointment there. The third year media school operates in the workshop mode. Now, these are cute kids here, okay? They haven't been around a long time. They've got a little bit of experience, but it was great experience. But, you know, they work with very experienced instructors in that school. They bring them in, and we've had guest speakers coming in. Uh, um, the producer of uh, Finger of God movie was here recently and shared with the whole school about how he started that, that film and the ones that he's working on now. Um, next month, uh, Craig Forrest will come in from Hollywood. Uh, this guy has done more around-the-world videos for ministries than anybody I know. He's going to be one of the guests sharing with this group. 
But every day, the bulk of the time, is Jeff and Autumn teaching what they learned to, to their students. This is the discipleship model. Students uh, came here. We actually had a media school in my department, if you will, when, when Autumn came in. And what she learned, she learned amazingly. Uh, she became a top player in every position I put her in. And she did become my number one editor, and I hated to lose her. But this story that you just saw is Jeff and Autumn's story, but do you know it's somebody else's? Now we're going to talk about somebody with 30 years' experience who produced what you just saw. Jeff and Autumn were not the producers of their own story. Even though they're great storytellers, I called on another great storyteller to share their story. Now, Sean Mitchell came to my attention from Bob Yandian, a friend of Andrew's, who wrote me a letter and said, I think there's someone who would work well on your team. And uh, he, he told me about Sean, how he had worked for him. So I got a hold of Sean, I talked to him, and I found out that for 30 years he had produced sports programs for ESPN, Fox, and Versus Networks, and that uh, he was looking for work now. Things had changed over in Tulsa where he lived. Since coming in our door, Sean Mitchell has produced the Connie and David Weisskopf story, the Mike and Carolyn Hesch story, the Lance and Jerry Welgen story, Tom and Nikki Abello story, Kevin and Rachel Dowling story, if you saw that one at Summer Bible Conference, the Sandy Harmon story, a great story of a single mom out of this student body who is now a, a, a very successful real estate agent in, uh, in Denver came in here, a basket case, a uh, great story. Kurt and Lisa Barreto's story out of our Jacksonville school. He produced a story you will see on the financial uh, series called Rick and Mitzi Pudlow, an incredible story about a pair of hippies who were transformed under Andrew's ministry here in Colorado, sleeping in a Volkswagen while she's pregnant. They now own and operate an international cargo firm out of... Out of uh, Houston, they're great partners of this ministry. Sean, uh, Sean produced their story. He produced the Jim McHood story, another student here doing great things in Latin America, and Jeff and Autumn's story. All right? I want to introduce this guy to you, and I will say this about him. If we were the Denver Broncos, he's Tim Tebow. Stand up, Sean. You know, he's an instructor in the school. Our students benefit from his experience, and he's a great teacher, by the way. Uh, he's got a great heart, heart for this ministry and a heart for those students. And uh, it's just awesome to see what God has done in one year bringing all of this together. And you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. So I have a few minutes left. I didn't think I would. How many minutes exactly is it? Five, they tell me. That's not a lot. So let me wrap this up with something. I told you last time I was here, uh, you have a story. And I said, those of us who help you tell your story, we have one word in the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now those are kind of listed in a descending order. And way down in the list there, there's a four-letter word with an S on the end. That's us. We're helpers. All right. And uh, I, I told you that. And uh, I did notice one thing this year when I reread the scripture. It's, these things are listed in descending orders. And helps is just one step above governments. I kind of reflected on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's encouraging. But I did, I, did, I, I did say, okay, Lord, why do we only have one word in the Bible? Surely there's more. And uh, uh, it's a big book, you know. Couldn't you afford a dozen more words for us? And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I said, you know, if, if, 
I know these guys and how hard they work to develop their skills. And people who work behind the scenes, these are the writers, the producers, the directors, the, the website operators, the people who develop the software, the people who develop working with the software the way David did. And, uh, you know, they work so hard, and I'm saying, Lord, you know, uh, they only get one word in the Bible. But um, it doesn't seem like it's that important to you. You know, I was feeling sorry for myself and for, for my profession. And um, I'll tell you something, though. If you really care, if you really have a passion in your heart for something, I don't care what it is, uh, if it's, um, if it's uh, a, a career, if it's a, if it's a skill, if it's a gift from God that you, want, you don't stir up or you do stir up, there are reasons for that. Um, sooner or later, if you do stir it up and you do go for it, there's going to come a day when the, the effort that you put into it is not going to seem like it's worth the return. That's because you live in a fallen world, and you're operating in a fallen world. But I said it, it, it doesn't stay there. Um, and in David's case, he hit that day when I told him he had to now stop doing what he'd been doing as the passion of his heart for six years. But isn't it nice to see the end of the story? God didn't leave him there, did he? No, he doesn't leave any of us there. So I woke up in the night thinking about this, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was laying there about 3 a.m., and I heard a voice. He said, get your thumb out of your mouth. (laughs) I said, okay, okay, is that you, Lord? And he said, no, that's Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Then I heard another voice saying, you know, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. And I said, no, I know that's in Scripture somewhere. I said, is that you, Lord? He said, no, that was your sixth grade Sunday school teacher. (laughs) You have to learn to sort these voices out for yourself and listen to the Lord. So I went downstairs and I opened my Bible, and here's what it opened to. Romans 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the news doesn't get any better than that good news. That's everybody, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I said, okay, God, I think I saw another word. Um, We're feet. We're the feet of the gospel. And... I went back to Isaiah 52, 7, and I read how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's where Paul was quoting from in Romans 10 when he took that scripture and applied it. And so I said, okay, Lord, I get it. I think what we are are the feet of the gospel, not the head, not the mouth, not the ears, not the eyes were the feet. And it's important not to think more highly of yourself if you're a foot. (laughs) Feet are important. They carry the preacher around the world. Yes, but he carries the gospel and preaches it. It is good to be the feet of the gospel. And uh, I said, okay, Lord. And the Lord said to me, that's not what I'm saying. I said, you're beautiful. Now, this is not a word I use for myself. This is a word I use for my wife. Uh, This is a word I would use for a beautiful scenery. Uh, Not for me, not for what we do. You know, isn't it amazing how we pick words and apply them to ourselves? I'm the feet, I'm the bottom, not the top. Feet get walked on. Feet pick up a lot of dirt. All those kinds of things fit pretty well. Uh, But remember the sinner woman uh, who came to dinner with the Pharisees, she made them all very uncomfortable when she washed his feet. So did Mary. And as we enter the Easter season, I'm reminded that on the night he was betrayed, he took off his cloak, he wrapped himself in a towel, and he washed their feet. You guys have beautiful feet. And when God says you're beautiful... 
you can take that to the bank. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? You're beautiful. <laughs> you know, the body of Christ looks at the person who's on TV or behind the pulpit, and we place all the importance on them, but I could not do what I'm doing without all of these guys right here. It just would not work. Uh, I know I'm going a little bit over here, but it's my meeting anyway, so I'll do what I want to do. But, you know, Stephen's dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He was raised in that, and Stephen just never was quite in sync with all of this. He went to Bible college, and if I'm not mistaken, was kicked out. Is that correct? And Stephen's dad was always disappointed and wanted him to be a minister. Did you know Stephen is reaching 3.2 billion people a day with what he's doing? That's preaching the gospel. And, and I, I hear that Dad is watching, and I want you all to know he's very proud of me today. Yes, he is. Isn't that awesome? Yes. But sometimes we think it's only the person behind the pulpit, but all of this is important. Stephen helped start PTL, James Robinson, um, Bob Tilton, on television, God supernaturally put him with us. I don't know anybody else that would have gelled with me and my personality. And Stephen came in, and when I was going to hire him, he says, I don't know you. Give me your books and CDs. And he left for a week, watched all of this stuff, and came back. And this is my paraphrase. He was polite, but he said, you're as plain as dirt. And he said, if we do all of this fancy stuff, that's not you. We need a one camera, you sitting down and just talking to people. And I said, no, I want three cameras. I wanted to do like everybody else. And he convinced me, he says, that's not who you are. You need to be like you're sitting right across the table. And, you know, we did it, and it has been a miraculous thing that we've done. And anyway, this ministry would not be where it is without Stephen, Jeff, Autumn, David, and Sean, and all of the other people that are working. So I want to just say this to you, that sometimes people think, well, I don't know that God's called me to be a minister. You may not do what I'm doing, but you've got a part in the body of Christ. The people that run our accounting, if they didn't do a good job with it, I couldn't do what I'm doing. This ministry would be dead if we didn't have people that take uh, uh, account of everything and make it work. If people didn't take care of this building, I'm not sure that we would see the blessing of God. God gives us something like this, and then we let it deteriorate. The people that keep this place clean, I don't know if you've noticed, but they just do a lot of things. We've got 230 people on staff right here, not counting all of our other places around the world, and every one of them are full-time ministers putting out the gospel. And every one of you have a part to play. It may not be behind this pulpit, but you need to get separated and then prepared and then apply it. Amen. So we'll let you go. You got five minutes left. We'll be back. No, you actually got ten minutes left. And we'll be back.